Luke 9, 23, he, speaking of Jesus, said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Lord, these are words that really should pass through 2,000 years of history and hit us straight in the heart. Follow me. And I pray that as we walk through those two words today, that your grace would be upon us in power and you give us spiritual ears to hear and a life to serve you faithfully. It's in Jesus' name we all said... Amen. Good morning, church. If you can have your seat, we're going to be in a couple areas of scripture today. Our first will be John's gospel, chapter 21. John's gospel, chapter 21. Then 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. And then finally today, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. As you are making your way there, um, I've got a couple of announcements for you. Um, When you came in, you received two, uh, one brochure and one flyer. If you want to take a look at that, the first, Glorifying God Together. This is our annual report of giving praise to God for all of the things that he has done here at Coast Hills Church. Church. And I want to point out one uh, that you'll read in here. Now, listen, you can't read this during the service, all right? So we're going to ask you to just put it away somewhere. But uh, one thing that we were able to do that really speaks home to me is when Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas, our church, along with K-Wave and another church, raised $41,000, and those dollars went direct to people. There was no administrative cost, no um, 5% for this. It was dollar to direct. And uh, I got to be a part of ministering some of those dollars as well as working along with Mercy Chefs where they fed 75,000 people over the course of their time um, and as well as helped and housed. Uh, it just, it went a long way. And so I want to give glory to God for the good things that he has done here at Coast Hills. As well, you received our Christmas Eve invitation flyer. Twasn't. Now, I thought you're, you're probably going, wasn't it twas the night before Christmas? Yes. We, if you can take the little cartoon character scene, right? We're taking a little different spin on the, on the poem. Um, I'm going to leave it there because you're going to love it. We wrote our own, Twasn't the Night Before Christmas, and um, you're really going to enjoy it. And so it's going to be music, dance, um, worship, uh, carols, Christmas candle lighting, the whole deal. And so it's going to be a really great time for you to be a part and involved and something that you can really be thankful to invite your friends to. So we've got our annual report. You've got your Christmas flyer. Take a look at those things. We are continuing our series of life, glorifying God together through life, through life. L, we learned a few weeks ago, learning the word, okay? We're committed to learning the word. Let me hear you say that. Okay, you're almost as loud as the eight o'clock. Then I, we learned last week, investing into relationships. Let's hear you say that. There you go. And today, we're going to be discussing the letter F, following the way of Christ. 
following the way of Christ. In fact, in Mark's gospel, chapter one, Jesus began his ministry to disciples with those two words. It's Mark 1.17, you can look it up, follow me. A couple of issues with that phrase. One is personal. Um, yesterday I went to Marshall's and my Bernie's Mountain Dog, 110-pound dog, he needed a new bed. So I went to Marshall's instead of going to Costco because I figured I could get one for cheaper, and I did. I found one for about $10 instead of 30 and I was able to bring it home and put it on the ground. Well, as soon as I put it on the ground in the spot where his other bed was, he was terrified. Terrified. We got a new door in our house, and our dog was so afraid of it, he would not go outside to go to the bathroom. We had to push this 110-pound dog out the door, and he was like shivering the entire time because of a door. I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line in his puppy life, something made him really afraid. And so I put this bed down. He's terrified of it. He would come up to it and run away. He would come up to it and run away. I'm like, Baloo, this is ridiculous. It's your bed. I'm trying to give you a comfortable, happy life. And I was talking to the dog. I don't know if I'm thinking he's going to be Balaam's donkey and talk back to me. I'm not sure what's happening here. And who's the more dumb one, him for not laying down or me for talking to the dog? So he comes up again, and now I'm sitting on the bed. Like, let me sit on the bed. Come on over, Baloo. Come give me a little lick. You know, come on, do your little thing with me. He won't come. So now I drag him over to the bed, right? I'm like, just sit, Baloo, sit. And he's like doing this with his backside. He like won't go down, right? He runs away again. He then comes back up. He sniffs it. We're getting somewhere. He runs away, comes back, sniffs a little bit longer. Then he picks it up with his mouth. He moves it over three feet and lays back down in his spot without the bed. <laughs> and I look at him and I go, you are so dumb. And right when I said it, Jesus spoke to me. Now, when you say you are so dumb and Jesus speaks to you, like there's gonna be an issue somewhere along the line. And I'm thinking of this message, but it indicates the problem. All I was doing was giving something new to Baloo. All I was giving was something that was different to Baloo. It wasn't what he was used to. It wasn't his way. He was afraid of it. I don't want to do it. If I give my life to the Lord, he may send me to Africa, right? I mean, oh, who knows what God might do? And it looks all comfortable, but just wait till you lie on it. That's when he gets you. And that's why we have a problem with follow me, right? Because we're afraid, like Baloo, listen to the Balaam's donkey speaking to me, we're afraid that quite possibly it might not be the best thing for us to follow the way of Christ. Oh, quite possibly, let me just move it out of the way and just lie down in my own muck and mire because I'm used to it. I like my way. I don't want my way to change. And if you change my way, well, maybe I won't like it. It's a problem we have with the word follow, a lesson to learn from my dog, Baloo. But we have another problem with follow. It's called social media, Instagram. If I see you come up on my Instagram, I can follow you. Just press a little button, that's all it is. I follow you. There's no requirement, there's no responsibility. I'll be happy with you, I'll be sad with you. I might even put something mean on there if I don't like your picture because I followed you. That's all it requires. I don't have to do anything, I don't have to be anything. It's just one little click and if I don't like you anymore, 
I unclick you. (laughs) I just get rid of you right out of my life. If I don't like something that you have said, I can just no longer follow you. Amen? Anybody ever unfollow anyone? Huh? Anyone? 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 Okay, you understand. This is the problem with this word. But no matter what problem we have with it, it's the way that he began and ended his ministry. Turn with me to John 21. I want you to see this. John's gospel, chapter 21, because what follow me meant in the first century is so much different than the way it means today. Oh, Jesus, he defines what it means to follow. Look at verse 18. Jesus has come on the scene. He is resurrected from the dead. He's restoring Peter by saying, do you love me? And now he responds to Peter's answer and he says, truly, truly, verse 18, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, You're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. That's why I moved the bed, Chet. That's why I don't lay down in the, what seems so comfortable. Come to Jesus. He saves you, gives you eternal life. That's why I don't do it. Because this is what Jesus is talking about. And it's amazing to me that after he tells Peter, hey, Peter, there's gonna be a day when someone's gonna stretch out your hands. You're gonna die on a cross, Peter, and you're not gonna want to. And isn't that like some of us? Well, I don't wanna do some of the things that Jesus tells me. I don't want to go on a mission trip. I I don't want to uh, uh, leave this. And I I want to do this. I mean, come on, Jesus, really? This is what it means to follow? That I've got to stretch out my hands and do something that I don't want to do? I'm actually going to have to lay my life down? It's amazing how the first century caught this principle. It's Galatians chapter 2. Paul would say in verse 20, I have been, past tense, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said, listen, I'm dead already. I've given my life. I've laid it down. Whatever he asked me to do, I'm going to follow. Now, the beauty is I know there's many people, in fact, all of you who are here who desire to follow. But there's a problem sometimes in our lives. In my life, when I purpose with all of my heart to follow Jesus, take a look. It happens to Peter in verse 20. Peter turned. There's the problem. He was following, but he turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So like some of us, we are so concentrated on following Jesus. And then we turn and we get distracted. And we see, oh, this new job, or we see this new opportunity, or we say, oh, Lord, I can't, I mean, for me to be like Bill Shedd and go on a mission trip, I mean, like I've got a house, I've got a job, I've got to work, and like my vacation time's my vacation time, and I mean, come on, Lord, like you don't expect me to be like that, right? Follow me. Follow me. 
See, it's so easy when we're so purposed and we're in such worship that all of a sudden when he asks us to do something, we turn our head and we get some form of distraction. I don't, can't tell you how many young men have been sold out for Jesus until she came along. Or how many young women are going on the mission field until he came along. And I'm not saying one way or the other. What I'm trying to communicate is this. Distractions are part of the enemy's tactic to keep us from following and to purpose to turn us. But look what Jesus says. He looks at him and he says this. Jesus said to him, if it's my will, verse 22, that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Look at this. It's a call to every one of us. You follow me. And that, those three words need to jump off the page and become not a book, but a message to each one of us. Listen to the personal nature. You follow me. What does this mean? I ask you to turn to 1 Peter. Would you go there with me? 1 Peter, Peter was the disciple he's speaking to, and Peter, he begins to understand what it means. He begins at the end of his life to fully grasp what it means to follow Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily you're going on a mission trip. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're gonna lay down your life. What it means is what Peter describes here. Would you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22? For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Now here's how he's worthy of the example. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. So he's mentioning some of the things that Jesus did as the example. And when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we, now listen to what Peter boils it down to, what it boils down to following, might die to sin and live to righteousness. Die to sin? Well, what if there's some things that I really like to do that he tells me that I can't do? I mean, I really liked my old bed. Why did you get rid of it? Baloo, it was smelly. It was disgusting. Like we washed it three million times. It would never get clean. You just needed something new, Baloo. I don't like the new one. I want the old one. You didn't like the old one. You had to get used to that one. So this one is not gonna be any difference, Baloo. Do you hear me having this conversation with my dog? Do you hear the same conversation with Jesus and you? Jesus and me. So he says, you got to die to yourself. The only way you're going to be able to do that, he told Nicodemus, you got to be born again. Born again. Now let me tell you what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. He was saying to him, listen, you can't think the way that you're thinking, Nicodemus. You can't act the way that you're acting. There's a new way. There's a new life. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of being. And the only way to phrase this new way, you've just got to be born again. You've got to start from scratch in order to follow. Because when you're born again, oh, there's going to be evidence When I put that bed down, you're going to go, okay, where do you want me to lie? When I say, hey, this is for you, you go, I'm willing, but we've got to throw this one away. Okay, throw it away. I'm willing. I'll take the new one. There's an evidence of dying to self. Then he said this, and if you look at it, he said, not only die to self, 
You've got to live to righteousness. There's the beauty. It's not just getting rid of things and putting off the old person. It's adding to your life the righteousness of Jesus. Now, let me, let me explain it like this. It's an about face from the things of the world, things of the world to the things of the word. That's what living to righteousness is. I'm no longer going the way of the world. Anything that doesn't look like Jesus, I don't want a part of. I want my life to be a complete reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, the great apostle Paul is such a great example of this. You remember, he's on the road to Damascus. And he's on the road because he is going to hurt Christians in Syria. That's his goal. And we know that's intent because he just witnessed and approved of the death of Stephen. He was stoned to death right in front of the great apostle Paul. And he is on his way and he meets Jesus. Paul would even write of himself. He would write of himself and he would say in 1 Timothy chapter one, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a violent man. Now let me tell you something. Violence, persecution, and blaspheming don't look a lot like Jesus. I mean, I mean there's something juxtaposed to violence and, and, and persecution and blaspheming that Jesus just isn't, right? So Paul had an about face. And he went from the persecutor violent man to the one who would give us the definition of love. This was the great apostle Paul. And there on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up and says, hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? We should probably think about that when we're slandering someone in the church, right? Because Jesus will show up and say, why are you slandering me? Maybe we should think about that if we're gossiping about someone in the church and Jesus shows up and goes, hey, why are you gossiping about me? Like, why are you talking about me? Because he takes it personally. And Paul fell on his knees. And Paul asked Jesus two questions. Listen to the first one. Who are you, Lord? In one fell swoop, Paul was a believer. I mean, there's shining glow in the dark Jesus. I would become a believer as well. I mean, you're on the road to go kill people and there's Jesus right there. He falls on, he goes, whoa, who are you, Lord? Saved and sanctified, Paul. He calls him Lord at that moment. And the next question he says is this, what do you want me to do? How do I follow you? I know you're my Lord now. How do I follow? What a great, what a great example for us. You're my Lord. What can I do to follow? What do you want me to do? And Paul, thank you for living such an exemplary life. Thank you from turning from the blasphemer to the lover. Thank you from turning from violence to gentle. Thank you for showing us by your life. So much so that Paul would write the church, you and I, the church in 1 Corinthians, and he would say this, follow me, as I follow Christ. I'm so confident in the example that I'm setting in Christ. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. And gang, this begins to answer the question for us. Why do I want to follow Christ? Well, the first answer, 
Oh, it's understanding that Jesus wants us to become like him. But now Paul gives us the reason for the second so that we can lead others by our example to follow him. That's the way of our faith. We follow and then other people see our example and they choose to follow. It's what the first church did. You remember Acts chapter two. They were committed, they were devoted to follow the apostles' doctrine. And two verses later, the Bible says, they sold all that they have so that everybody could have some. What a beautiful example of learning the word. What a beautiful example of investing into relationships by following the way of Christ. But what I love about Paul, Paul didn't leave us there. Paul Paul was a scholar, and if you missed Upstream, you you really need to be for Upstream. Sherry and I had a great conversation with Zach and Jeff and Allison talking about higher education, and Paul was one who desired to be a life learner. And so, because he was an educator, he didn't just leave us with an example of his life. He gave us a curriculum. He showed us exactly what it means to follow the way of Christ. Would you go with me to 2 Timothy, Paul's disciple, and we're gonna see what he expressed to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says to them in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. I've discipled you in the way of Christ. You followed me as I followed Christ, and now I want you to complete the legacy. You lead the example, and then you lead others to the way of Christ. And then Paul, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, just so Timothy would not neglect any aspect of following the way of Christ, he details it for him. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my manner or my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. Stop there if you would. There's our curriculum. And I know pastors are not to do eight-point sermons, but I'm gonna give you eight things real quickly that describe how to follow the way of Christ. Now, some of you are snickering. Trust me. I finished in the first service, I'll finish this service, okay? And they were the guinea pigs, so you get the condensed version. Eight things that Paul mentions here that describe for us what it means to follow the way of Christ. He says, listen, you've been faithful to follow my teaching. Write it down. If you're gonna follow the way of Jesus, you gotta listen to him. You gotta listen to him. It's uh, John chapter excuse me, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter is in this oratory about making these memorials for Elijah, for Moses, and Jesus. God interrupts him. Now, this will be the first of three times that God interrupts Peter. And he says, listen carefully, as he was still speaking, Peter, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased Listen to him. Listen to him. 
Again, can I tell you that listening and looking are two different things? My kids will be watching TV and I'll say, hey, listen up, take the garbage out. Okay, dad. They're just looking. They're not listening. Because I'll come home and guess what? The garbage is still where I left it. So I say to them, ye who have ears to hear, let him hear what the father is speaking. I mean, I am trying to get a message across to you. You need to listen, not just look, because listening has the intent of this biblically, that you are not just hearing, you're hearing to understand, to put it into action. That's the Greek word. You're hearing to understand, to put it into action. And God the Father is giving us some great advice. Listen to him. We've got to drown out the TVs in our life so that when Jesus speaks to us, we can listen. Second, he says, you've been faithful to follow my conduct. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you've got to follow his conduct and share him Share him. The Bible says that Jesus came with a purpose to preach the good news of the kingdom. He was preaching the good news of the gospel. He was letting everyone know, gang, the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand, man. It's right here. It's upon us. And you need to know that you can be saved if you believe. And then he tells his disciples this in Matthew 28. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to follow all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is giving the direction, I want you to share me. I want you to share me. And gang, we're at Christmas time. This is the easy time. Candles are lit. Away in a manger is playing in Target. Like we've got such great opportunity for the gospel during Christmas to share him. That's what it means to follow. He goes on. You've been faithful to follow my manner of life. That's what he says to Timothy. We've got to serve him. Jesus made it clear that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I saw this yesterday. Yesterday, we hosted our outreach day. We had 14 Spanish families to deliver food to, and only one Spanish speaker showed up. And I didn't know this. She was loading 14 bags of food, her and her two girls, in their car. And I go, why are you loading? What are you, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm the only Spanish speaker here. We got 14 families to go and minister to. So we're loading up these 14 bags straight into our car. And you should have seen their heart. The girls, the mom, they're all just like, we, we're so, Zach, myself, Andre, we're just keep, we keep going back and forth to the church. We're just putting bags in their car. Go get them, champ, keep going. And they're just off to go and serve because they're followers. They came with the heart to say, Jesus served, I wanna serve, we're gonna serve him. Now listen to this, what Jesus says in John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he'll follow me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now listen to what this is, interesting term. Wherever I am, there they'll be. Jesus speaks spiritually. He doesn't speak in material terms. 
So he's not talking about geography, like where I am, there they'll be geography wise. He's saying where I am spiritually. So if I'm about feeding the poor, you're about feeding the poor. If I'm about uh, 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 doing acts of service, oh, I'm about acts of service. And if this makes me happy, oh, it makes the Christian happy. And if this grieves my spirit, oh, it grieves my spirit. You see, what he's saying is a spiritual thing wherever I am. If it makes me happy, it makes you happy. If it makes me sad, it makes you sad. Wherever I am spiritually, that's where you're at as a follower. Second, uh, going on in our understanding, he says, now you've been faithful to follow my manner of faith. Gang, write it down. We need to obey him. We need to obey him. Listen to what John 8, 12 says. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, listen to this, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, are you looking or are you listening? Looking? Who's looking? Who's listening? No, everyone goes, we're listening. Okay, here's the deal. Listening, hear what he says. If you want to follow, you don't walk in darkness. I want you to write it down. Our faith obeys him. We're to walk by faith, not by sight. And Jesus is saying, here's what the walk looks like. You don't purposely run to darkness. You don't purposely do things that I don't like. You don't agree with things that I don't like. You don't compromise with things I don't like. No, you obey me no matter how you feel about it. Baloo, you just lay down on the new bed when I tell you to because I'm your master. Well, how are you gonna lay down? Am I gonna be pushing your backside down? You're gonna be like, I'm not going down. That's just not, I don't like this bed. I want the old one. Or are you just gonna go, okay, you're my master, I'm gonna sit. I'm a little afraid, I don't know what this thing is, it's a new color, but I'm going with it. You see how Balaam's donkey was speaking to me just in the last couple of days? No idea. And our heart is to choose to obey just like Jesus. In John chapter five, Jesus said something that has affected my life. He said, whatever the father says, I say, And whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. Man, I want to get there. I have a desperate desire to be able to do and say whatever the Father says for me to do and say. And I'm on that road to get there, and I want all of us to join as we follow Him. He says, Listen, you've been faithful to follow my patience. My patience. Let me tell you a story. It's out of Mark's gospel, chapter nine, because we need to learn to trust him. There it is, to trust him. Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? And his disciples and the Pharisees are in a theological argument while there's a kid having an epileptic seizure on the ground, okay? They could care less. They care more about the argument than they do about this kid. Jesus walks into the scene. Dad, who brought the kid to the disciples, comes to Jesus, and listen what he says in Mark 9. Okay, this demon has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. Listen to his doubt. But if you can do anything, I I brought him to the disciples, they couldn't do nothing. Can you have some compassion on us and help us? Listen to this desperate dad. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes, Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. I need you to see something here. This father's struggling with his faith. 
This father has gone to the disciples and they've disappointed him. And I know Christians have disappointed you and sometimes even Christians can keep you from getting to Jesus, but not this father. This father saw Jesus and he goes to Jesus and he says, listen, I brought him to the disciples. They disappointed me. Can you do anything? Listen to the struggle of faith. And I want you to see what Jesus does first. If I can, anything's possible for those who believe. Jesus didn't do this. <gasps> the disciples didn't do anything. Oh my goodness. Uh, magic, magic, hocus pocus. They're healed. <laughs> little lightning, gave a little show. We're good to go, right? Like you feel good about me. I feel good about you. I mean, come on, disciples, come on. I'm a little embarrassed by you. Could you get behind me? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus cared about that man's faith first. He knew what he was gonna do for the son. But he allowed that man to wait just a little bit longer through the disappointment of the disciples and now just a little bit longer as he ministered faith into his heart with the word and said, with God, all things are possible. Do you believe? I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus takes that mustard seed of faith and heals this boy. Gang, trust him. I know sometimes the journey can be disappointing, but trust him. He says, you've been faithful to follow my love. Write it down. If we're gonna follow, we need to love him. And Mark chapter 12 describes it for us best. Love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Let me explain what heart is. This is heart. I looked at all the clothes that I had on, I had in my, I didn't have all my clothes on this morning. I looked at all the clothes that I had in my closet and this was my heart. I wanted to wear it. I didn't want to wear the blue shirt. I wanted to wear the Thanksgiving shirt. It was in my heart. When I saw it, it said, wear me. And I said, you're in my heart. And I reached up for it and I felt its satisfaction and my satisfaction as I was putting it on this morning because this embraces my heart. I look like Thanksgiving. I look like I'm happy, right? It's Thanksgiving. It's my heart. Loving with all my soul. This makes me feel good. Like when I look at myself in this, I don't know, I don't care what you think I look like. I feel good in my soul. I mean, I've got my boots on, my favorite socks. This is my soul clothes. My mind, I made a decision. I am not wearing that shirt. I'm wearing this one. There was no ambivalence. There was no question in my mind. It was in my heart. It was in my soul. And I put this one on. I made the decision and there was no turning back for me as soon as it went on. I didn't put it back on the uh, hanger and say, well, let me try this one on. No, it was in my heart. It was in my soul. This is the one. And I did it with all my strength. I just buttoned every single one of these buttons so proudly, walked into this church. It was everything I had to boldly come with this flannel shirt because I know some of you will send me an email. That really didn't go with your hair. You need to wear a different color shirt. I like when you wear blue because it goes with your eyes. But no, not me. I'm wearing this with all my strength. I made the decision. That's what it takes to follow. And that's the kind of love we're talking about, not for a shirt, but for our Lord. Gang, he says, you've been faithful to follow my steadfastness. We gotta talk to him. 
Look what he says in regards to follow. It's Colossians chapter four. He says this, be steadfast in your prayers. Be steadfast in your prayers. We need to be unceasing in our prayers. Jesus in Luke chapter six, he prayed through the night. All night long, he was in communication and connection with God because he knows that communication and connection is something to be steadfast with. I know when my prayer life lacks. And sometimes when I'm praying, I'm feeling like, God, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Let me tell you something. Just stop praying for 30 days. You'll know why prayer is important. Take two days days off, a lack of connection. Trust me. You will experience what I experience when I begin the disconnect. God, let me tell you something. From the air I breathe, do you guys know I used to stutter and I went to speech therapy? And sometimes I'll be teaching and I'll go, Colossians, right? And all of a sudden Jesus will go, you better pray, be dependent on me, right? You need me now. And I will just pray and ask God while I'm up front of you, asking Jesus, please be with me. As I'm driving through, listen, there's a doctor in our church. He has an eyeglasses, uh, opto, 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 molo, not an optician's, whatever. <laughs> What's the word? Come on, I'm in front of like 800 people. Help me out, somebody. Ophthalmologist. Very good, thank you. I have one friend, Linda, I appreciate that. Um, Now I'm really embarrassed. I just turned red. This shirt's now a little bit hot. I wished I wouldn't have worn it. Now here's the deal. So I'm drive by his store every day to work. And when I, not his store, his, his, Okay, quick check, get through this. When I drive by his office, it reminds me, pray for doctor. And many of you have that in my life. Pray for this person, pray for that person. And when I see this sign, and it helps me pray without ceasing. It's the ring, not the ring, but the string around my finger. And because I know they're going to be in my face all day long, I just use them as prayer reminders so I can be steadfast. But here's the final one, gang. And I hate to close like this because this is the bad ending to the movie. He says, you've been faithful to follow my suffering. Did you hear that? We're going to follow Jesus. It's not just trust him, love him. Those are all the spiritual, wonderful, great connect. Like, let's talk to him, you know, great. But suffer with him? You've been faithful to follow my sufferings? This ain't a great message for the 21st century church because we think so different than the first century church. Listen to this, it's Philippians 1.29. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the church. For it's been granted to you. Now let me tell you what this word means. It's been graced to you. You've received the favor of God. That's what he's saying. You've been received the favor of God to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, there's the grace, but also suffer for his sake. Preach that in South Orange County. You notice not a lot of pastors in Orange County teach 1 Peter. Theologians call it the doctrine of suffering. It's not one of the, listen how quiet the room got. It's not one of those ones where I stand up and I go, okay, suffer with him. And everyone goes, yes, amen. Because in the 21st century, if we suffer, we're like Job's friends. We must have done something wrong. 
My money's gone, my house got taken, my job's gone, I must be in sin. And maybe God's working a plan. Maybe quite possibly because you're living a life of godliness, all of hell's against you. You see, that's the way the first century church looked at it. Man, we're suffering. We got hell mad, man. They are after us. Listen to Paul. He goes, you get the grace to suffer with Jesus. Because the first church made a decision. No matter what it costs me, I'm going to follow. And following Jesus, we get to suffer with him. Now, church, listen, we've answered the question. Why do I want to follow the way of Christ? Because I want to be like him. And I want to lead others by my example, just like Jesus did for Peter, just like Paul did for Timothy. And when I get to heaven, I pray that Paul hands me a letter. First Chet, 310. Hey, Chet, you were faithful to follow my manner of life. I ain't there yet, but I want to get there. And I want to get there with each one of you.